0: Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? It is great, great, great to be with you. You guys look amazing. And you know what I love more than anything? I love hearing you lift your voice and worship to God. That was amazing. It did wonders to my own heart. And I know it blessed the Lord today. So Sherry and I are super glad to be here. And we welcome you. We welcome those of you who are joining us online. Come on, those of you who are here, let's welcome those who are joining us online. We welcome you today, we're glad that you're here. And uh, we realized just this morning, it's been about 13 months since we've been here and got to be up here and be a part of this with you guys. So we're excited to be with you today. We're gonna continue the series. Uh, uh, What is it?
1: (laughs) What are we doing?
0: Family on Purpose, (laughs) whatever it's called. Uh, And we're gonna focus on parenting on purpose today because here's what we believe. We believe in this pillar right here that says Building Families. It's a major part of what Victory has been built on over the last 30-plus years, and we know that, that the home is where it starts for us to be able to build families, then, then to launch out into another place, to transform communities, to see cultures reconciled, and to impact the nations all around us. And so we know that the family is really, really important. So today we get to talk about parenting on purpose.
1: Y'all need to pray for us so that we can remember <clears throat> what we're supposed to be doing. I
0: just don't remember the series. I really.
1: know, I know. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. It is so great to see all of you. We've really, really missed you. I am curious. How many of you are new to Victory or new to Victory Hamilton Mills since 13 months ago? Yeah, that's awesome. We are so glad that you're here. And to everybody else, it's great to see you again. So as Randy said, we're in a series, Family on Purpose. We heard from Pastor Johnson just kind of casting the vision that it is important that we live with intentionality in all areas of our family life, whether you are single, married, with kids, grandparenting, blended family, single parenting, whatever that is, that God has something special for your family and that we need to lean into that intentionally. And last week we heard from Pastor Russ here at VHM, encouraging us how to come alongside the next generation and to help be their champions and their cheerleaders and those that are loving them on to all that God has for them. So, something that we know, and maybe you've experienced, is how many parents do we have here today? A lot of us, Uh a lot of us. And something that we've heard through our children's ministry is the most common question that they're asked is, how do I help my children develop godly character? and live their lives for Jesus. So we're gonna cover that in 30 minutes, right? (laughs) Not at all, not at all, but yet we're gonna lean into that and just be able to kinda share some thoughts about it. Because I don't know about you, but even though we wrestled with infertility, we were praying for the Lord to answer that prayer, and he did, but whenever that first child is in your arms, you are simultaneously, okay, exhausted for one thing, exhausted, exhilarated, and scared out of your mind, right? all three. There are no manuals for how do we do this. There isn't like, if I do one, two, three, the child's going to turn out like X, Y, Z. Every single family is different. Your family is different than our family. The, the dynamics in your home are different. And here's the thing that I really felt this morning. I felt like the Lord just wanted to openly affirm some of you again, to say, you are the perfect parent for yes. your child. Yes. Yes. God chose you to parent the children that you have. I remember my mother telling me that where I would ask her opinion on something and she would share different thoughts, but she also would say, honey, God didn't give your children to me, he gave them to you because you're the one that he's gonna grace to raise them. So I felt like the Lord just wanted to affirm that for some of you today. What we're not gonna share today is prescriptions. Do this, and this comes out. Do that, and that comes out. But rather, like all areas of our lives, we just want to share some biblical principles upon which you and your family build your practices. Because how many of you know, living intentionally just means that the practices that we have in our home are based on (coughs) principles of God. They're based on the things of God. So we're not here to go, hey, this is how you do it. Oh, you should never say that at Victory. I'm just saying you should never say this is how we do it. But just for perspective, a lot of you know us, but some don't, (laughs) I wanna show you something that's happened in the last year. (laughs) Woo-hoo! So this is our family. On the far right, the tall one, is our son, Drew. He lives locally, and some of you might recognize him because he helps with worship every weekend here at VHM. And then there's our daughter, Lindsay who just married our newest son, Mateo. They got married in May, and we are so thrilled to have him in our family. We love him so much. We had such a fun day. It was so fun. I just, I just wanted you to see it was so fun. Yes. So Lindsay and Mateo live approximately 1,202 miles from us, give or take but that's exactly how far, because I look for them on the map on my Apple <laughs> on the phone. They live in Colorado Springs. He is serving as a youth pastor in a church there, and we could not be more proud of them. Yeah. So uh, we are empty nesters and uh, kind of new to the empty nest thing, having all the feelings about that, good, bad, and kind of now more and more good, right, as most people tell us. But we do want to preface by saying we were absolutely not perfect parents. That's right. So we don't come to you to say, hey, this is how it's done. But rather to say, hey, we, were, we did our messy best, and the grace of God was upon our family. We have, uh, our kids have father wounds. They have mother wounds. They have good memories. They got bad memories. We have broken parts of our stories where we see the hand of a redemptive and gracious God upon us all. I'm grateful that I have a praying mother. Amen. Praying grandparents make a difference. Amen. Amen. And if you are a praying grandparent, please know how important you are in the lives of your children and in your grandchildren. But we are so grateful that our children independently have chosen to continue to follow the Lord, to aim their lives in a Godward direction because it's important that we know right up front we can't do that for them. We can influence our children. As parents, we have tremendous influence over their taste for God, if you will but we cannot choose God for them. Mm -hmm. There's a relationship between them and the Lord that only they can choose, and our intention and our goal was to help our children have hearts that were soft towards the Lord through it all. Mm -hmm. One other thing that comes to mind as we were worshiping was the importance of having people around you to encourage you you in your parenting journey. My best friend is seven-ish years older than me, so she's kind of like one stage of life ahead. I cannot tell you how many times I'm going, what is happening? And, blah, blah, blah. and she'll basically share their struggles, their journey, and you find out you're normal. Yes. <laughs> and there's something so empowering about knowing nobody's just like got it all together, but we all learn from one another. So the practices that we're sharing today are ones that we've searched for in the word of God that we've learned from our own family, we've learned from our community, and we just want to offer them to you.
0: Yeah, and um, so parenting is, there's a big goal in parenting. There's a big responsibility that we all have. And the big picture goal of Christian parenting is this it's not that we just raise good, behaved children, it's that intent, we intentionally aim our children to grow into responsible, empowered adults who are God centered and spiritually minded. Responsible, empowered adults who are God centered. And spiritually minded. And we want them to grow up to be adults that, one, they understand their deep faith in God. They understand what it means to have deep faith in the Lord. And two, we want them to have a servant-like heart. Jesus said that I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay down my life as a ransom for all. And that we raise up adults who, who know how to not just think about their own lives, but to think about the people around them and to think about the impact that they can have on the people around them, so they serve those around them. And we also want to raise adults who are resilient in difficulty. How many of you know all of our kids are going to face difficulty, right? And we don't want to be ones who come and rescue them from their difficulty. We want them to be ones who turn to God in difficult moments. Because God said this. He didn't promise us any kind of outcomes about difficulty, but he did promise us this one thing. He said, I will be with you. And when we help our kids understand that we may not be able to drive out of a difficulty for a certain result, we can trust and know that God is with us. And so our kids need to know, hey, you can be resilient in difficulty. Why? Not because you do everything right, but because God is with you in the middle of it. And then we want to raise adults who uh, live by God's vision for their lives. They have a Godward vision for their life. And so as Christian parents, we've been given the mission to train our children in the Lord. To train our children, not just to raise our children. I love what my sister, Pastor Colleen, says. She says, uh, we raise chickens and we train children. (laughs) Pastor Colleen, for those of you who don't know, she's not my sister, blood sister. She's my sister-in-law. Uh, And she's one of the founding pastors here at Victory. And so I love that statement that she makes. It's it's a really kind of a funny thing. We raise chickens, but we train children. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to train our children today. And how do we train them in a way that brings uh, God into the center of their life? And Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. It says, to train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And here's something to know about Proverbs. Proverbs are are, are called, it's called a wisdom book. It's one of the wisdom books in the Bible. And so it's a book of wisdom that we can build practices upon and we can build our lives upon in, in everyday life. But it's not a promise to us. It's just a book of wisdom that offers us wisdom. So Solomon is saying, hey, we have the responsibility to train up our children in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so what is happening when we train our children? What is happening? What's going on? The first thing is we're trained, our training creates a bent, a way we tend to do things. It, it has a bent that bends our children towards God. We lived in Amarillo, Texas, and all the trees out in West Texas have a bend to them. They actually literally, when the wind is not blowing, which is never, but they always <laughs> are, they're bent Why? Because the wind blew them for so long, those trees grew toward a bent in the direction that the wind blows. And what we want to create in our children, or what our goal is in training our children, is to create a bent, a bent that leans towards God. Not towards right and wrong behavior, but a bent that leans towards God, that's Godward in its focus, that's spiritually minded. It's, it's focused on God. Training in the Lord helps to create a bent towards God instead of a bent that does not consider God. I want you to think about it like this. Pastor Mo down in Midtown, he's always like, what does he say?
1: Lean in. Lean
0: in. What he's saying is, let's bend towards God. And so when we talk about our children, are they leaning towards God in all circumstances in their life or are they leaning back? When they go through difficult times, do they say, God, you are with me. God, you are for me. God, you will go before me and prepare a way for me. God, I trust that you go before me. You come behind me. God, I know that you are with me. Or do they lean back and say, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Why is this and this and this happening? I've done all of these things right, God. Why aren't you doing your part? And we've all felt those things at times. We all feel those things in, those, in, in moments. But at the end of the day, do we lean back in towards God? Do we lean in? Mm-hmm. That's what our training does is it creates this intentional bent in our children towards God and putting God in the center. Another thing that our training does is training intentionally creates an environment where our kids know the why behind the what in our homes. They know the why behind what we do. They understand it. How many of you know, you all know this, we don't have to teach our children to ask the question, why? Why? Why, dad? Why, mom? Why? 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 And we go, because I said so. (laughs) (laughs) But how many of you know, because I said so doesn't train our children? It may make them be quiet or move away from us for a moment, but it doesn't train them. And it's okay for them to ask why. You want them to ask why. You want them to grow up and be adults to say, I want to understand why. God, why would you ask me to do this? God, what is it that's behind this that that you're really caring about? It's not just my action, but Lord, what character trait are you trying to build in me? Why would you have me do this? One of the things that we taught our kids was, you can ask why. We wanted them to be people who ask why, and they do today. They are very much why askers.
1: Drew's never stopped
0: asking. Her no, <laughs> neither has Lindsay. And so they, they ask why. And here was, our, here was our way of dealing with that. We would say, we want you to know why, but we want you to say yes first. Obey, and then we'll tell you why. We will tell you why. Right? right? We wanted them to obey. And sometimes we didn't have the time in the moment to tell them why. But here's what we'd say. We want you to know why, and we will come back and talk about the why. But for right now, can you please do this? And here was the thing. We had to keep our word and come back and say why. We had to come back and reopen the conversation so that we could help them understand the why. Here's something that's very important, and I want to put an umbrella of grace over this. It is not that if you do everything right as parents, that your kids will all do everything right as well. As Sherry said, there are no formulas. It doesn't mean that ABC equals one, two, three in parenting because there are a lot of you that are sitting here today who modeled for your kids, who, ra- who trained your kids. You did the very best you could to put a bent towards God in your children, but your children still have to choose. And your children at the end of the day, while we are grateful for the choices our kids have made, we, we thank God every day for the choices our kids have made. I can't imagine the ache and the pain of that. When our kids choose something that's not Godward, I can imagine the ache of that is very, very deep. But we didn't choose for our kids, and neither can you. But our hearts are this. When we teach our kids, to, to or train our kids to be Godward, our prayer then to the Lord is, Lord, would you always draw them close? Lord, would you always draw them close? Would our hearts be tender towards you? So here's what we want to say. Therefore, there are no formulas only influencing our children towards spiritual minded choices. We can't make them do it, but we sure can influence them in that direction. Amen? So, Psalm 127, verse 3 says this, and this is important for us as parents uh, to get in our heart Children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from Him. Do you see your children as a gift? Your children are a gift. They are a gift from the Lord. They're not just a gift from anyone. They are a gift from God Almighty himself who blesses us with our children. And if you've ever gone through anything like what Sherry and I did, we went through infertility uh, for a long period of time. And so every time when we found out she was pregnant with, with Drew, we were like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But there are some of you here today that have never had that ache or that desire fulfilled. And all I know to do to tell you about that is God is with you. He hears you. He captures every tear. And he waters your heart with it to heal you, to comfort you. Mm -hmm. And you can keep believing God if you are not able to have children to have children. Mm -hmm. The scripture is clear to us. They're a gift from God.
1: Also, just to add on to what he's saying, when we were praying this morning, we felt that there may be some of you in the room that are struggling with infertility or there's that desire of your heart. And I know that there'd be times where I would hear a message like this and it would kind of hit me in a real painful way, because your Lord, I want that gift. Yes. What and what I heard the Lord saying is He is not withholding from you. Yes. And He is not punishing you for your past. So whatever the reason may be, and I don't know the reasons of why sometimes the Lord allows us to go through these journeys and sometimes with different outcomes, I can't speak to any of that. But I heard the Lord want to remind you, he is with you. Yes. And he is for you. Amen. And he is near.
0: Amen. Amen. So let's say it like this. Your attitude toward your children matters. They are not a burden, an obstacle, or a problem. But a blessing. Let me say it again. They are not a burden, an obstacle, or a problem. They are a blessing. But I don't know about you, but I know sometimes we didn't always see our kids as clearly as this. And sometimes when things are difficult and, and you're just going through life and, and sometimes you lose sight of who your kids are. And here's what I wanna encourage you to do in that moment. Ask the Lord to show you who they are. Ask the Lord to remind you who they are. Ask the Lord to give you a picture of who they are. You can go before God and say, Lord, I need to see my son the way you see him. Or I need to see my daughter the way you see them. And when God shows you the picture of who they are and who he intended them to be, then pray into that. Lord, whatever it takes to make that Come to pass. Lord, I believe you for that. God, I will speak that over my children. I will believe that for my children. Why? Because they are not a burden, an obstacle, or a problem. They are a blessing.
1: At all ages.
0: At all ages. They're a blessing at 2 years old. They're a blessing at 13 years old. They're a blessing at 17 and 18 and 25 and 45 and 55 their blessing and they need to know that you see them that way and that you are grateful for them even when things are difficult, that you are still grateful for them. It is so important. I encourage you to tell your children on a regular basis. This was something that we still practice today. We tell our children often what a blessing and what a gift they are to our family. Not just to the two of us but to each other and to our our, uh, surrounding family. They're a blessing to us. So I remember when my kids were little and they were just toddler age, uh, we would lay in the bed on, on our bed at, at night sometimes and I would tell them stories about Penzi and Pandrew.
1: So creative. So
0: creative. <laughs> but they would go, no, daddy, that's us, that's us. We know that's us. And we're like, oh yeah, that's right, that is you. And, but there was one other thing that I would do because I wanted them to know that not only do I see them as a gift, they were wanted. Mm-hmm. They were wanted. And so I would sit there and I would say, you know, Mom and dad wanted a little boy so bad. We would would go to God and we would say, God, would you just send us a little boy and and give us a little boy? And and God said, I'm going to look all over heaven. And he would look all over heaven and look around. And then he saw Drew and he said, that's the perfect little boy for them. And I'm going to give Drew to them as a gift. That's going to be their son. And he's going to be a blessing to them. And we were like, "Yay!" you know, we were so happy. And Lindsay would sit there and she'd go, tell me, daddy, tell me. Tell me, Daddy. You know why? She wanted to know she was wanted. So I would say the same thing. Lindsay, Mommy and Daddy, love Drew so much, and we said, oh, man, if we have a little boy that's like this, can you imagine what it would be like to have a little girl? God, would you give us a little girl? So God looked all over heaven, just like this, and she, her eyes were just big, and she's like, ah. <laughs> I said, and then he saw this little blonde-haired, beautiful girl with this big, beautiful smile, and he goes, that's the one. That's the best girl for them. And he gave us Lindsay. And we were so blessed. It's such a gift. You were a gift, Lindsay. Yay, daddy, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something? It was a game we were playing.
1: And their favorite story.
0: And one of their favorite their things that we did.
1: Their favorite story.
0: You know Why? Nobody wants to be tolerated. Nobody wants to be put up with. Nobody. Do you? No. We want to be wanted. We want to be cherished. And we want to know that we are deeply loved. So tell your children, don't think it. Tell them. Open your mouth and say, I love you. I love this about you. I'm so grateful for you. You're a gift to me and to our family. Tell them that even when they're old and they like, oh, dad, stop it. <laughs> like, Come here, boy. You're a gift. So Psalm 127.3 says the children are a gift. And it says in verse 4, starting in verse 4, it says, And children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. They're like arrows. I want you to think about arrows in the hands of a warrior. No warrior goes out and says, I'm going to just throw my arrows. I'm just going to chunk my arrows and hope they hit. No, a warrior is going to actually look and he's going to take his arrow and he's going to take aim with his arrow. Why? Because he wants to take aim and make sure that when he releases that arrow, it hits its intended mark. And when we raise and and train our children, they are like arrows. When we are training our children, we are aiming our children, we're aiming them. We're pointing them towards something. We're saying lean in towards God, we're pointing them towards God, and we're wanting them to lean in. The idea of training our children is like raising up champions, except it's like this. The common phrase, and we generally understand raising up champions to mean training one who wins, which is really important, but I wanna shift our thought on that a little bit today. Seeing your children as champions, influences how you speak to them rather than just a person who has defeated rivals in a competition we're training our children with the hope they'll become champions of faith those who are living on mission mission standing up for the truth and fighting for a cause on behalf of someone else we are aiming our children and raising them to be champions of
1: faith mm-hmm to champion the faith, and as he said, training is how we aim. Now, I, I was a trainer for many, many years. How many of you know that telling somebody something is not training? You've been on a job, and they kind of like introduce you to your role, and they go, okay, so blah, 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 all right, and that was your training, and you're thinking, okay. <laughs> That didn't help at all. Because telling is part of training, but telling is not training. And often as a parent, I know I've been guilty, I'm sure you have too, of telling my kids something and thinking they got it, they've been trained. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But training has way more to it. And a few things we wanna focus on are these three, which is modeling, showing somebody, embodying it, living it, doing it, where they can see what you're talking about. That's part of training. What does this look like to do this thing? A second thing is encouraging or inviting or involving. And to be able to actually take it beyond just watch me to, hey, want to try? Let's do this together. Let's grow. Let's put our hands on this and see how this works out. And a really important part is affirming. To say, that's it. You've got it. Did you see that? You did it to be able to affirm and confirm when you see the thing happening. So those are the three things because more is caught than taught. We're very familiar with that saying. How many of you have someone in your life that you would consider like they've maybe mentored you in some way but they didn't even really know it? You just caught it from them. Because they did that, you do that, right? Anybody have anybody like that you looked up to, you were like, I learned from them and they didn't even know. So it's important for us to know as parents that where we might be struggling or like, oh gosh, I feel like I didn't do a good job of doing this, if you modeled it, they've caught something from you. There's grace. So it's important for us to understand that we are helping them to catch some of this Godwardness. So what specifically are we training our children? And for us, these were three guiding things for us that we wanna just offer to you. And the first one is to seek God. The second is to hear God, and the third is obey God. We believed that if we had children that learned to seek God above all else, that we helped them to be able to discern when they were hearing their voice and to have the the courage to obey him through the good things and the hard things. If our children had those three things at the core, then they would become responsible, empowered adults who were Christ-centered, who could endure difficulty, who could stand, who could be servants, who could follow the Lord in all things. So that's why they were important to us. Mm-hmm. So the first is to seek God. And what I just said, more is caught than taught. The most important way that we can train our children to seek God is for us to seek God. And for us to seek God in a way that they can see it. That they can hear us pray over something, that they can hear, see us delay a decision and say to them, I know that there were times where our kids would go, well, are you going to do this or that? And one of us would be like, we're not sure yet. We haven't prayed about it yet. Or I'm praying about it, but I, I, I don't really know that I've heard the Lord quite yet. So that they knew that we wouldn't make major decisions without seeking God. And we would invite them into it. To be able to have a focus where they see us worshiping the Lord together. Where they see you bringing things to God. Where they see you actually pursuing him first. To normalize God-centeredness. Sometimes it's really vulnerable as a parent. Especially because a lot of us, we just feel uh, unqualified. To struggle through praying in front of our family. or, Or to just stop and say a prayer together. It doesn't matter if you're eloquent. It matters that they hear you try because it gives them permission to do the same. I wanna just share a quick video with you from the Burnett family. The Burnett family is a blended family and they can share just with us, just kinda what has this looked like for them? How are they trying to lay this out in front of their children in a way that they can see them seek God?
2: So I actually asked her this question myself. I said, what's it look like for us to walk with God? If somebody said, how does your mom and dad walk with God? And she said, well, you guys talk about God a lot. And I said, yeah, that's right. I don't pray in a prayer closet. I don't hide my prayer from her. I don't hide my Bible reading from her. Valerie doesn't hide her devotion time. We don't seek to do that just in a quiet nook and cranny of the house hidden away. We'll do it out in the open, um, try to be in a quiet place, but out where she can see us. And so she knows what we're doing and she understands the importance of it. And being a car talk dad like I am, uh, every ride to school just about has something about what I learned, uh, what I've heard, or a life practice that has been beneficial for me. And most of those are now centered around our faith and something that we've learned since coming to faith.
3: When, when you are obedient in your faith, it brings a level of authenticity to it that
1: um, is comfortable for the family. Whether you're a blended family or not, um, that that stays with them. Mm-hmm. I love that truth. What they see you doing stays with them. Yes, And I love that the car talk dad, that just kind of like in everyday life, it's woven in, they talk about it, they let, it's just kind of out in the open. So one thing that we can do as parents is seek God ourselves out in the open where our kids can see it. Yes, And then we can invite them into that as well as they get into decision making and things to invite them to seek God as well. I do want to pause and just mention that here at VHM, Starting on October 13th, if you are a blended family, there are blended family small groups, blended marriage small groups led by our, our, our leaders here, Mike and Annie Hernandez, would come alongside and just talking about not just parenting, but kind of championing blended marriages and blended families and grandparenting. And like I mentioned at the beginning, having a place to talk it through is so important. Amen. So I just want to encourage you to take advantage of this resource of the biblical community that is around you by getting involved in a blended family group. The second thing that we were wanting to just kind of share and encourage is about teaching our children to hear God, to hear God. God does speak to children. Amen. Amen. Sometimes he speaks to children really clearly because we've got a lot of mess going on in our mind. How many of you ever had your child tell you something that they were like, well, that was probably a clearer view than mine right now. (laughs) It's kind of humbling sometimes. God speaks to children. And so whenever we begin to help them see you are hearing God, God is speaking to you. I mean, think about it. Jesus encouraged us to come to him with the heart of a child. There's a purity and an innocence, an uncomplicatedness. I know that's not a word, but I'm going to use it anyways. An uncomplicatedness to how children approach things where they're not second-guessing as much as we are. (laughs) So we can encourage our children that they can hear God. But when they're really small, that doesn't start off with, the Lord spoke to me today and here's what he said. Unless usually they're like, because the Lord said to give you candy or something like that. Which you're like, that is not Jesus. I, <laughs> we, need to, we need some discernment around here. But what we will see often in our younger children is when their conscience bothers them. When something is kind of, something's not sitting well with them. They're in an environment and they're, you know, just kind of like they don't even, they don't have words for why something's bothering them or they come to repent to you. Can I just say, any act of apology, repentance, or, con- or confession is not a normal human nature thing. That is the Lord working in the heart of your child. Amen. So as you work through that to be able to say, hey, God was talking to you and you listened. And to be able to affirm to them that that was the voice of God. But just as importantly are the the positive ways that God speaks to our children and they act on things. Maybe it's through giving or generosity. Or they noticed that kid on the playground and they invited them to come play because I saw that that child was alone. Well, that's something that you can compliment to say, you know what? You noticed and you felt something in your heart and that was God telling you to notice that kid and you acted on it. And they start going, oh, I, I heard God, just at little ages. A couple examples for us is um, Lindsay when we she was I don't know maybe seven, seven something like that. Lindsay is a very uh, tender hearted, very sensitive kid. She was and she's still a sensitive adult. We were we'd looked all over. There's dance studios all over that part of Texas and they a variety of price ranges. And we finally found one that I thought we could afford and that we were happy to be part of. But a few weeks in, she starts coming home saying, I don't. I don't think this music is good for me. I don't. I just don't, I don't think this music is good for me. I wish I was being really sensitive, y'all, and really spiritual, and I wasn't. And I was like, okay, let's not be oversensitive here. It's probably fine. I can't imagine what, I mean, you're seven. What could it possibly, this goes on for a few weeks of her kind of protesting and saying, I'm not really loving this because there's something about the music I just don't, and I'm thinking she doesn't like the style, whatever. Finally, I feel a little nudge in my own heart. Okay, just go listen to it, like, what is she talking about? The music was not good for a seven-year-old. Let's just put it that way. She was right. What they were dancing to and training to and things like is stuff that we would never, I don't think I would even have my teenager listening to some of it. It was, it was, it was just not appropriate, not appropriate. Her heart, the Holy Spirit was speaking to her. And she had that little thing going, this doesn't feel right. And so we moved her to a different studio, but to be able to say to her, Lindsay, that was the Holy Spirit that you heard, that was the Holy Spirit that was nudging your heart. And I'm so proud of you that you spoke up about what you sensed. So as parents, it's important that we slow down a second, Sherry. Listen to what she's saying. Is there something under there? Is the Lord speaking to her? And I'm not even in the room to know what the music was. Mm -hmm. Another example on the other side is our son Drew. At that time, he was maybe four or five when the tsunami happened in Thailand. Drew's prized possessions was stuffed animals. He had an extensive collection that were all named individually. He knew them all by name. Like this was, this, this was a thing. This was a real thing. So we're seeing some of the images in the tsunami on TV and all of a sudden he brings the whole collection to the living room floor and he's spreading them all out and putting them in lines and things. And I'm finally tuned in like, what are, what are you doing? And he says, I want to send these to those kids that lost their parents. He wanted to help them, he wanted to give to them. Now that wasn't a practical solution, but what we did do was act on what his heart was stirring and he made cookies and we sold cookies door to door with our little tin can and I don't know, it wasn't about the amount of money that was raised, it was about that he was prompted by the Lord, that act of compassion and giving and mercy, that's the nature of God that was stirring in him and he acted upon that so he was hearing the Lord. So to be able to affirm Drew, that's the heart of God that you just heard. And that's the heart of God you were acting on. And it starts to just build some confidence in them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to your children in a way that then makes you have to change your mind about things. So when Drew was about 17 or so, um, we were in a standoff about a certain topic that we just argued about in an ongoing way for months. And I mentioned to him on like Monday or Tuesday, I was like, Drew, what was that thing that we were in a stand-up? standoff? He goes curfew. It was curfew mom. I mean, he knew <laughs> in an instant exactly what we were arguing about. And we really did. We were in a we were in a lockdown like state. We were just toe to toe standoff. He wanted me to loosen up. He, if he were telling the story, he would say I was being stubborn, hard-headed, overbearing, domineering, etc. He's not telling the story. I'm telling the story. <laughs> I thought I was being discerning and wise and helpful and protective and other very godly traits. So (laughs) after months of this, and poor Randy just looking at it like, oh gosh, can you too? Because he wasn't even going to get in the middle of this one. Um, I said to Drew, look, I'm trying my best here. You're my oldest kid. I'm doing my best. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. If you really believe that I am just dead wrong go talk to the Lord about it and ask him to speak to my heart. So, (laughs) he did that, and the Lord totally convicted me because the Lord did speak to my heart and said, you are leading right now from fear and not faith. And the Lord spoke to me to say, you need to have faith in him, and you need to have faith in me that I've got him. So... I wanted God to side with me, because I was being prudent in all these things, but he didn't. And humble pie doesn't taste good, but to go back to Drew and say, hey, I know you've been praying that the Lord would speak to me, because he did, and to change, you know, to change to where he, closer to where he was hoping for. Now that wasn't him hearing God, but it's really important as parents that our children know that we are all committed to hearing God. Yes. When our children see us apologize to each other, apologize to them, it's confirming it's okay to mess this up and fix something because we hear God. And it builds confidence in them that the Lord isn't just rebuking them, correcting them, but the Lord is acting for them as well. So we just want to encourage you to look at that both ways.
0: Yes. So we teach them to seek God. We teach them to hear God, to discern the voice of God. And then lastly, we want them to obey God. Teach them to obey God, training by honoring and obeying their parents and other teachers and leaders, etc. So here's where it starts. It starts with obeying us as parents. And it starts young. We don't wait until they're older to try to get them to obey. We teach them when they're young to start to obey. Not just to obey us, but to obey their teachers, obey their principals, obey police officers, obey people in authority, Whoever has authority to respect them, to honor them, to obey them. Why? Because we're tr- training them to, to teach them to teach them or train them to yield their will to the will of another. So if we want them to obey God, what are they doing? They are surrendering their will to God's will. And if they can't surrender their will to us just by simply obeying some, some things that we ask of them, how are they going to... Soften their heart to obey God in moments that are really, really critical in their life. So, we want them to obey. So, we start with us. We extend that out to authorities in their lives, whether they're pastors, teachers, uh, principals, police officers, whatever the case may be. How we speak about authority also really matters. How we speak about the authority that's around them, uh, how we even uh, speak about civil servants and things of that nature. We didn't call them cops. We call them police officers. Why? Because it's a respectful thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a job that they're doing for our good. It's protecting us. They're out there to protect us, right? So we would teach our kids this. And so one of the things that uh, I would ask you is, is your child's behavior at three going to be cute when they're 10? That's like, oh, me or oh, my. Yes, yes. If it's not cute at 10, then it's probably not really cute at 3. Right? So we have to. I know 3-year-old kids. They do things that we knowingly know. This is not good, but it's hilarious. Right? (laughs) Right? I mean, I would have to go in the other room and laugh at my kids sometimes because that was hilarious. We don't want to feed that. We don't want to affirm that. But that was funny. And so... um, (laughs) So we would go in the other room when they couldn't see us, and then we would enjoy that. But (laughs) in their presence, we wanted to train them how to obey. And it started with obeying us. The goal is not to demand your children into compliance, but to teach them to respond to the one who cares for them and leads them, God. That at the end of the day is what we're trying to train them to do. We want you to respond to the one that cares for you and that leads you. And that is God. And if you can't respond to us, how then do we think that you're going to respond to God? So here's what I would say. You can require your children to obey. You can. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be abusive about it. You don't have to be sarcastic or cutting to get them to obey. But it is important that as they're younger, they're obeying because your uh, ability to give them lots of decisions. They have fewer decisions when they're younger. Why? So that we can loosen up when they get older, just like we did with Drew. When Drew comes to his mom saying, hey, I think my curfew is a little too tight. Being home by 7.30 is, you know, a little... (laughs) It's a little tight, mom. (laughs) Okay, 745. (laughs) No, but what you do in that moment is you're wanting to say, hey, you're 17 or 18 years old. We want to give you more discretion, more decision-making power. We want to empower you to make age-appropriate decisions. Why? Because they are not going to be under your roof for the rest of their life. And somebody needs to say, praise God. Because <laughs> we didn't raise them to stay. We raised them to launch. Right? So the goal is to shift obedience from us as parents to obeying God. As they're getting older, we're shifting. We're, we're less telling them what to do, but Praying with them, coaching them through, walking them through, and affirming when they, we, when they hear the Lord. And saying, follow that. Follow the voice of God. Trust the voice of God. You can be led by the voice of God. So that when we're not around, they have a bent that leans in and says, God, what are you saying? God, what would you say about this? God, I want to hear your voice. I seek you. I will hear you. And I, Lord, will obey you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... We have another uh, video that we want to show of one of our single moms here at Victory. Her name is Kim. Kim is awesome. For those of you who know her, you know she's awesome. Uh, She has seven children. (laughs) I am tired. And they range from uh, nine years old uh, to 22 years old. And uh, she found herself a single mother after she divorced her husband who had some Real bad business practices has ended up in prison, things of that nature. And so here she is, a single mom raising seven kids and some of the things, some of the ways that she goes about training her children. So let's take a look.
3: There's no way we could have gotten through what we went through without the Lord. Um, And one thing that I was very intentional on was whenever something good would happen, I would say, y'all look what God just did. Y'all, let's tell God, thank you. And it became a constant thing was, look what God just did, you know? And then the children say, Mommy, guess what God did? You know, we pray every morning and at the end of the pray, prayer, we I won't sing it, because, but I'll say thank you. And they say Jesus and we say hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's gonna be a great day, a great, great day. Y'all have let them know that sometimes they will be the only Jesus that people see. And so we talk about the importance of being kind and being gracious and they're extremely thoughtful and caring and, you know, because they've been through, you know, they've been through a lot. And I remember when um, he first went to prison and Tay went from straight A's to failing and um, not wanting to live with me because I was mean. And I said, hey, you're not happy about this situation. I'm not happy about this situation, but it is not gonna bring us down. And you are gonna do what you're supposed to do. And I will support you because I'm your mother, but this is not gonna fly. And that was seventh grade and like eighth grade, he, they put him in gifted. He didn't even have to test or, and I told him, I said, do you see? Do you see why mommy didn't just let this go? And I said, God put too much in you for me to just give up on you. That's awesome.
1: I have so much respect for Kim and what she goes on later in that interview to say, Tay's a lot older now, he loves God, he seeks God, he hears God, he's serving God. And I love that basically she's saying just what Randy was saying. It's okay to ask our children to obey because we're teaching them how to follow the Lord. And so her determination to say, hey, this is not a good situation, but we're gonna still do this the right way in order that we can learn. And don't you love that first part? look what God did, and the rhythm of practicing and rehearsing what God did. And so she actually brings to the front something really important, which is the rhythms and practices, the little things, the habits that you have in your home, like the prayer that they do together every day, those are the little things that are really important on the training and aiming. Because we learn those habits and they become second nature for us. And in a way, Deuteronomy 6 speaks directly to that. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impressions are made over time. Yes, yes. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what they're saying in kind of an ancient picture is let it be car talks. Let it be morning prayers and evening prayers. And when you're coming off of the the playing field at a practice, talk about it. Put it on the walls. Read about it. Live this Out in a way that your family knows we are those who love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. And one of the very central practices that they had at that time was to go to the temple to worship together. It was part of the rhythms, it was part of their practice. It served as a foundation that then everything else was built upon. So having your family here, it isn't you bring your kids to church, they're gonna turn out perfect immediately, but having them here. To worship the Lord together in a biblical community and with friendships is so important. That it be part of your practice of your home. You're here, so I'm preaching to the choir right now, right? (laughs) But to worship the Lord to be something that is fully integrated into the habits of your home. Mm -hmm. So,
0: I'm just gonna ask you to do something today. We've shared a lot with you. There's been a lot of stories. There's been a lot of things that we've shared but I want you just to close your eyes. If you're a parent today, grandparent, wherever your kids are, whatever stage of life they're in, we just want to ask you a couple of questions. And I'm not asking you so you can answer them to me, I'm asking you something you can answer them to yourself. And here's what our mission is as mission minded families how can you intentionally consider what you are training your children? The word is intentionally. How can you do this on purpose? For a purpose. What are you modeling for your kids? What do they see you embodying as it relates to seeking God and hearing God and obeying God? What do they see you modeling? Do they see you openly doing this. I've embodied it, I've integrated it into my life, I've integrated it into my day-to-day rhythms. We've integrated these things into our lives. What are you encouraging your kids? What are you inviting them into? What are you asking them to be a part of? Are you asking them to join you in prayer? Are you asking them to pray about a decision that they have to make? and? Work with them in that moment to seek God, to hear God. and Once that's been heard, okay, now let's go obey God and encourage that. What are you affirming? Are you celebrating in their life? Are you affirming it when they hear the Lord? Are you celebrating that in their lives? Look for ways to do it. They don't have to be big, but they have to be consistent. So look for those ways. Seek, hear, obey God. Seek, hear, obey God. Seek, hear, obey God. What rhythms and practices can your family embrace in the day-to-day things? Maybe the car talks and maybe the Prayer times. It may be just a prayer that you pray every day, just like Kim shared about hers. Whatever the case is, it doesn't have to be a specific thing, but it is the specific thing that the Lord speaks to you. What is it that the Lord would have you do? Now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus over every one of these parents, over every one of these children, Over every one of these families, God. Father, I pray that our house would be a house that says, we serve the Lord. We honor God. We seek first the kingdom of heaven. And we trust that everything we have need of will be added to us. God, I pray that our hearts would be tender, that our children would be turned towards you, that they they would have a bent to bend towards you, God. That their ears would be sensitive to your voice and their courage would be set to follow that. Lord, I pray blessing over families today. I pray that wayward children would come home. I pray that the ache of the mother who has yet to have children and can't, but Lord, would you give her children? They're a heritage, they're a blessing, they're a gift from you. Would you give them children? And God, would you give us the grace as parents to be gracious to ourselves when we fall short? But also, God, would you give us the grace to get back up and try again? to get back up and get back in the game to get back up and know that it is modeling to our kids when we stumble and fall that we get back up we still move forward with you God Father I pray that you would meet every person in their homes today be the center of these homes God that they'd be healthy families there'd be strong families There'd be families that are God centered and spiritually minded We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.